This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside my co-hosts, my partners in crime today, Brock Davis and Nate Green. Brock, let's start with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Golfed again. What'd you shoot? And uh, now I shot a 90 today, and it was really cold and windy, so not bad for the circumstances. Now nah, the wind gets it. I'm, I'm going to let you know, golfing in the wind is no fun. I'll tell you that much, but a little bit of rain expected this week, so I think golfing is going to be a, a no-go for me, at least for now, but yeah, Nate, how you doing? I also have a very special announcement. Well, it's not really very special, but our Instagram hit 700 followers yesterday, so we want to thank everyone for that. We've been getting fantastic support and, and interaction on there, so keep it up. And we'll continue to post fun. So thanks for 700. Yeah, fantastic. We're going to keep growing that there. It's been a lot of fun. You know, the polls seem to work a little bit better on Instagram. And if you aren't following us there yet, go do that real quick. Pause it. Go look us up. It takes like two seconds. Click follow. Most of you guys probably follow us there. But if you don't, go follow us on there. We're having a lot of fun on there. Nate, how you doing, my friend? Doing good. How about you, Jared? I'm not doing too bad. I'm excited to talk some baseball. And guys, as Always, I have a question to start off the podcast. So Mike Trout averages in his full seasons, I'm not counting 2011, his, his whatever, 40 games that he played, or maybe less than that in 2011, and 2020, I'm not going to count that, but in his full seasons that he does play, he averages an 8.0 Fangraphs war. If he does that again this year, he will pass Hall of Famers Ken Griffey Jr., Charlie Geringer, I think is how you say it, Dan Brothers, Brooks Robinson, Pete Rose, Jeff Bagwell, Roberto Clemente, and will be tied with Joe DiMaggio. Well, I take that back. He will pass Joe DiMaggio if he gets an 8-war. If he gets the projected four or 7.4-war, he'll be tied with DiMaggio. So my question for you guys, and I'll, I'll go to Nate first here, who on this list is most impressive that he's passing already i mean joe dimaggio is pretty impressive uh ken griffey jr was one of my favorite players as well growing up so that's like the one that stands out to me first ballot hall of famer uh, someone that i got to see play so not that i didn't get to see some of those other guys play on tape but ken griffey jr is the most uh exciting for me to see him pass 
Brock, did you get that whole list? Who are you excited to see him pass? Yeah, I feel like Pete Rose is pretty crazy that he's he's passing Pete Rose. I think that that's that's pretty nuts. The all time hits lead. Jeff Bagwell's pretty cool. I'm seeing more on here than what you're saying. I mean, I just or are you hit- just sticking specifically to position players? Just position players. Yeah, I didn't look at hitter. I didn't look oh, at pitchers. Okay. Yeah. Pitchers will be a little bit different. I don't. Gotcha. I, I feel okay. like I, calc- I I calculate pitching war a little bit differently for me. I think. I mean, I don't calculate it differently. It's calculated the same way. But pitchers are different. I mean, it's just you know, it's different. I mean, dang, even Johnny Bench, Ozzy Smith, Robin Yount too. On top of that, I mean, dude, that's just crazy to be honest. Like that, he's gonna be because that's gonna. We're looking at what approximately what what pace was uh. DiMaggio at I think DiMaggio 79 yeah I, I think DiMaggio played in like 1800 games or something in his career and Trout's only he's not even at 1300 yet he'll hit 1300 this year and probably I'll actually hit 1400 this year but the fact that he's doing all this before <laughs> that like 2000 mark you know or before a lot of these players are doing it like Pete Rose played in 3500 games like I don't think people know that he played in so many freaking games it's ridiculous and the fact that Mike Trout's already passing him is astronomical to me. I mean, I guess fan, war is or war is made differently nowadays. I guess when you look at it, like Pete Rose probably wouldn't have been that. He's not as valuable of, as a player, but he's the all-time hit leader, and and I and I get that. And the fact that he Trout's even close to that or close to any of these guys is is absolutely remarkable. So I just wanted to yeah, ask I'm you guys. Yeah, I that. must be looking at a at a different. I guess Baseball Reference might have a little bit of a different order than Fangraphs does because Griffey is tied for fifty six at eighty three point eight, and DiMaggio's at seventy nine point one. So if Trout gets, according to Baseball Reference, if Trout uh, eight WAR, he would be put at. 83.6 which would be 0.2 behind Griffey. Yeah, uh baseball reference and fangraphs are a little bit different. I I like to lean a little bit more towards fangraphs just because it's easier to search on fangraphs. But that's just ridiculous that it's going to be his 11th season technically in total. 11th season, his age 28 year and he's going to be if he plays to what he's projected to play this year he's going to be tied for basically tied for 56th all-time best player in the history of baseball with pitchers and hitters if you cut that down to position players only that's probably that's probably top 30 yep and i think we can all agree trout's going to go down as one of if not the best players of all time so guys as always we have an extremely fun show planned for you today a lot of fun Angels topics. I figured I'd start with that question. Like always, going to try to start every podcast with a little question like that to get the get our brains moving a little bit. But go follow our Instagram account. Go follow our social media accounts. Go subscribe to this podcast if you can. And as always, tell a friend. That's how we. That's how we get out on. I guess the podcast market is by word of mouth. So. Go tell a friend that you enjoy our podcast. You know, tell them that our podcast is better than everybody else's out there, and that they should listen to Talking Halos. Yeah, and as always, guys, give us one second to pay the bills. Some mornings you wake up feeling ready to just pull the covers back over your head and go back to sleep. No judgment, of course. 
but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the reason why. Don't love your sheets? Brick Linen has you covered. They work directly with the manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without those luxury level markups. And Brookline is much more than just sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and so much more. So go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code BUDS, B-U-D-S, to get 25% off when you spend $100 or more. Plus, you get free shipping. Check out the description box for more, but that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code B-U-D-S, all in capitals, to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more. Plus, you get free shipping. All right, guys, enough with all the introductions. Let's get this show rolling and talk some Angels baseball. And kind of weird, I don't have any news today. I mean, is there any news at all really to talk about it I have some topics but I don't have any angels news it hasn't I think again that's a good thing hasn't hasn't been really any injuries minus what we talked about last podcast and today as we're recording this it's an off day so I don't know guys am I missing any news Brock any news that I'm missing no I don't think so I say I don't think I had any news Nate anything in particular news wise you want to talk about no nothing that I can think of perfect so let's just you know jump right into Otani time and I guess Otani time's a little bit of news but he's going to start this week at some point. And Joe Madden Saturday. said, was it Saturday? Joe, Joe announced it's going to be Saturday. Saturday, cool. He's going to start Saturday in either an A or B game. The world is hoping that it is an A game, so it'll be on national television. He's expected to go three to four innings. Guys, do we want to play a little prediction here on how many guys he strikes out in the three to four innings? Brock, let's start with you. How many strikeouts does he get in the three to four innings that he's going to pitch? If he throws four, he's going to strike out nine. Four innings, nine strikeouts. Three throws three, he's going to strike out seven. Okay. Nate? I think he's going to strike out five if he goes three, and if he ends up going four, he's going to get six. I like that. I, I think if he goes four, he's striking out ten. Okay. That's a ridiculous amount. That's all I have to say. I think he's going to strike out 10 batters. And I think that the command's going to continue to be off a little bit because we're early in spring. So we're going to see a couple walks mixed in here and there and probably a high pitch count. Hopefully he gets into like that 50-60 pitch count. I don't know if they're going to let him yet. I'm going to guess it's probably going to be between 40 and 50. But I guess we're going to just have to wait and see what all happens. I know it's been, and even the rules have been kind of weird. We saw it with the Andrew Heaney incident where he pitched pitched like 25 pitches then they took him out with one out in the first inning brought in Ben Rowan I believe then Andrew Heaney came back out in the second inning to pitch I don't know I I hope that doesn't happen with Otani but how do we feel about that rule I guess we let's get a little two cents on that rule Nate how do you feel about it uh, for spring training, I don't really have a problem with it. It allows you to uh, get a guy maybe to reset mentally or, or something like that, but I don't want to see that carry over into the regular season ever. Ever. Um, but I do think that it, it does help in, in a situation like that where you're like, hey, maybe he's not, he doesn't have it right now. Let's go to the pen, let him work on a situation. Maybe bring in, he need to, like, hey, look at some film for a second and then send him back out the next inning. So. Not a terrible idea in spring. Yeah, like we said, college fall game. I like it. Brock, any of these rules kind of, I guess, throw you off as you're watching games or any of these rules you like, you kind of dislike? I know it's spring training, but it's kind of fun to talk about these. Yeah, it's just kind of adjusting 
just like, you know, it seems like every season there's a little bit of something that you have to get used to, especially last year when the 60 games was going on. There was a lot of different things that were happening with the runners and extra innings and the universal DH and that whole bit. So, I mean, there's a lot of weird rules that we're still kind of, you know, we kind of have to get used to. And it seems like every year there's something else. So like, like Nate said, hopefully it just doesn't carry over into the regular season. It's not really something I want to see, but good for us, you know, good for us to be able to fully see these, some of these guys and good for them for, to be able to get, uh, you know, it's not just like one chance and you're done. Uh, just like Nate said, it could get like a restart, get a mental restart and get back out there and get a few more pitches in before, you know, they just call it a day. So I like it for spring training because in reality, a lot of people might not see it this way, but spring training is just practice. That's all it is. It's just practice and warming up and, and preparing is all it is and, and, and coaching staff to see where certain people stand. Um, it's more practice for the people that have a set roster spot, obviously, you know, for the Heaney's, Trout's, Rendon's of the team and more of a spot earner for the lower end guys. So it's not practice for everybody. It's, you know, they got to earn, some guys got to earn their spot in spring training, but some guys it's just practice. And most of the guys that we talk about on here, it's just practice. They're just going out there and, and getting in, getting back in the flow. Yeah, I'm with both you guys on that. I like a lot of these rules that are being instituted. It makes it a little bit more fun, I guess, in spring to see guys throw random innings like this in a sense. Kind of throws everybody off. But there's also those times where I know Jose Abreu, I believe, was coming to the plate a couple days ago and with the bases loaded. And I think the Texas Rangers decided to bring their team off the field and say, nope, we don't want to, we don't want our guy to pitch anymore pitches so I that's that's going to be a tricky part this spring and keeping the fans happy but other than that I'm not upset about any of these spring training rules I mean it's hard to be upset because we have baseball thank god (laughs) like just tip of the cap that we actually have that this year and you know nothing seems to be going wrong yet so on to our final bit of quick Otani will be pitching in the A game on Saturday okay they came out and said that actually I I didn't I heard that it was still up in the air whether it's going to be A game or B game, but thank goodness it is the A game. Hopefully I get to watch it. <laughs> and it'll be the first time that nine innings is expected all spring. That's when nine innings is supposed to start is Saturday. Oh, good. That's that's so much better. I That's like the actual first spring training game. These have all just been like, eh, whatever. You know, we're, we're just kind of working with it. It's nice to have baseball back. But yeah, once we get the first nine inning game, it's going to actually be a lot of fun, and I'm actually glad, in a sense, that none of these games have really been going nine innings yet, because I think we, have we all been to spring training, and it gets pretty tough to watch once you get to, like, the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, so, yeah, so it gets, it's like, all right, like, you don't know who this guy is, who's that guy, and, like, even myself, who knows prospects pretty well, like, it gets tough to, you know, continue to watch the game and be like, all right, like, I don't even know who this guy is, like, I don't know the face of this guy. When the broadcasters don't know who it is, it gets it starts getting kind of tough. So I think let's just hop on to our next bit of Angels talk, and that's going to be some fan mail. Got a lot of good responses on Instagram, but first we're going to start with a question from our fellas across the pond at LA Angels UK, and I just want a Rossile or a Jose 
Iglesias answer from each of you guys. They asked which Iglesias is going to have the biggest impact this season. Brock? Ooh. Russell. I okay, so the, I don't think there's a wrong answer here, Nate. I'm gonna go Jose. See again, I don't think there's a wrong answer because you have Jose Iglesias, who we've seen play spectacular defense already, and also hit the ball pretty well. And if he can hit just a smidge of how he hit with the Orioles last year, it's gonna be really nice to see see that in the Angels lineup every day and play the defense again. Just play a smidge of what Andrelton Simmons was, and you know you you got yourself a pretty dang good shortstop and then the Angels biggest woe was the bullpen and I know Nate's going to be all happy about this when the Angels went out and got a closer who I don't believe in closers but it, it is what it is and that's what they needed they blew a quarter of their games last year does not mean they lost all those games but the bullpen blew a quarter of the games that the Angels played last year 15 games and they went out and got them so if you asked me who was going to be more valuable I'd say Rossell Iglesias if you ask me who's going to put up better stats, I'd say Jose Iglesias. And I think mm-hmm. you guys... That, yeah. That's exactly where my head was at. Yeah. When you say who's going to make the bigger impact, I think you know, if Jose Iglesias had a little more weight on his shoulders in our lineup, it'd be a little bit of a different story if he had to hit four or five in our lineup. But, I mean, realistically, are we still going to smash with or without him? Yes. Towards our bullpen, if Rossiel puts up average to above average numbers it's going to heavily increase our, our our wins just purely off of the fact that we lost a very good amount of games last season purely off of not getting a solid closer in the back end of that bullpen yep cost the uh, cost the angels playoffs in the shortened season last year so thank you for that boys from across the pond as always and actually i'll shout them out right now go listen to their podcast they do a great job they actually had joe madden on their podcast not too long ago it was a great podcast i finally was able to listen to it so go listen to those guys at la angels uk they give a different perspective we actually had them on the show here and i'm gonna have to have them on again once the season starts but yeah super fun to always talk with those guys and go listen to their podcast so next question comes from instagram and his name is t play T-E-R. I don't know if that's actually a name. And Nate, I'll ask you this question, and we'll get to Brock. Is Marsh ahead of Adele right now? Yes. Why? Why? I think, <laughs> he, <laughs> I think he understands the little parts of the game that Adele's maybe a little bit behind. I think Adele's a better base runner. I think Adele, or excuse me, I think Marsh is a better base runner. I think Marsh is a better defender which I don't even know if that's a contest, really. And they're both about the same spot offensively. Um, They're both having trouble making contact on a regular basis. I think Marsh is just a little bit ahead of Adele. Brock, with the little we've seen of Adele and Marsh, who do you like more? Marsh, for the exact same reasons that Nate just said. I I think Adele just has a little more to figure out. Whereas it seems like Marsh, the things that Adele's having problems figuring out, Marsh kind of has a jump on it. Like it seems like it's just coming a little more natural to him, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest here with you guys. I've said this ever since I saw Joe Adele. I knew he was going to have the swing and miss issue, and I knew there was going to be the adjustment period for him. And I've always thought that Brandon Marsh was very similar 
to what Joe Adele's going to be. And I think at the end of the day, when when they're both 40, 45 years old, and hopefully both in Hall of Fame conversations, we look at it and say, dang, they were pretty similar players when it was all said and done. I think Joe Adele has the higher ceiling without a doubt because the stupid amount of raw power that he has to all parts of the field, we hope that the glove comes around a little bit more and we hope that the swing and miss rate goes down a little bit and we hope that the eye gets a little bit better at the plate. But as we're listing these things off, there's a lot for him that he needs to work on. And the same can go for Brandon Marsh, who I don't think has a high as high of ceiling as Joe Adele, but I do think that he can remain more consistent. But the injuries do worry me because he hasn't been healthy in a full year, I don't believe. Last year would have been his first full healthy year. And of course, COVID hit, but it is what it is. So I don't think Marsh is ahead of Adele by any means. I just think that the hype on Adele was a little bit too much. So good question there. On to our next one comes from Mike Servin on Instagram. What do you guys think of Jose Rojas, the Anaheim native? Uh, Brock, what do you got? What do you think? Oh, he's the one that hit the hit the jack on the high and inside fastball the other day, right? Yeah, he has two home runs this spring. Yeah, I mean, I only honestly saw that one at-bat from him so far offensively. I didn't see his first jack, but based off of that at-bat alone, you could tell that he's seems comfortable with the plate. He seems on top of it and clearly has that, that clean left side of the plate power that we all love to see from anyone on the left side of the plate. It just looks so much smoother on the left side. Unless your name is Mike Trout, then it's a little bit different. But I just I love power on the left left side of the plate. You know that's why I think I'm going to end up liking Marsh better too. I think his swing just is going to look nicer to me and make me more excited to watch him over over Adele. I just love lefties, honestly. But yeah, so far he's looking good. Yeah, and I agree with you. I've seen Rojas throughout his minor league career. I saw him out in the Empire. The main question that was always asked was, what position is he going to play? I still don't think we have a position. I don't think he hits enough to DH. I don't think he hits enough to play first base. I don't think he plays well enough defense to play third base. And I don't think he has, he might have the arm. I don't think he plays well enough in the outfield to play the outfield. So there's always been that question surrounding him. Nate, did you ever play against him growing up? I'm trying to think if we did or not. He's about our age. <laughs> Not to name drop, but uh, Cookie and I played on the same team together. Did you? Okay. Well, that's yeah. a good. That's a good thing. When, where'd you guys play? We played at FJC together. Okay. Yeah. That that would make sense. Now that that's what I that's what I figured. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Cookie and I, uh, he he actually played shortstop at FJC. Uh-huh. Uh Decent defender, but he always raked. That was the thing with him was. Um, I, I never really had a problem with him offensively. Like that was never going to be an issue when he was an Angel. Um, the issue is always going to be where is he going to play because shortstop like he's good he was okay uh, for junior college shortstop but like he was not the top guy um, he was just better than everybody been, like huh? he was just better than everybody so that you had yeah. you like had to put him there right? exactly so, yeah. and then third base again like I don't know we've seen him play some first base which that would be interesting to see him play first base I know he he has never played first base until. I think maybe two years ago was the first time he actually saw some time at first base. So I think maybe if you get him comfortable enough at first base, he can hit. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I don't know if the power is going to be there for first base, but he might be able to hit 270, 280 with, you know, 15, 20. 
if if given enough opportunity. But I think he's definitely a depth piece for right now, and he's got a, he's got a lot of guys to jump before he sees some time in the bigs. Yeah, the story's great. You know, being an Anaheim kid out of Vanguard, high, super high draft, or I guess super low draft pick, super high round, super low in the draft. I don't know how you say it, but either way, you know, late late draft pick, a you know, came out of SoCal area, came out of Anaheim. I think what Catella or Anaheim High School. I think it was maybe Catella, and yeah, I I, I don't think he gets the opportunity here. In Anaheim, I, and I hope he doesn't either. I think I hope that he goes to another organization and plays well, plays decent enough there. Like you know, they send a, like Baltimore takes a chance on him, or a rebuilding organization takes a chance on him, so he can get every day to start. That's that's my hope. So, next question. That was a good question as well. Next question comes from Brett Stoker. I think is how you say his name, and I could be wrong. I apologize if I said it wrong. Guys, I'll give you a couple seconds to think about this one because it's difficult. If the Angels are in a buying situation, who do they look at at the trade deadline? I'll answer it first because I know you probably need a couple seconds to think. And look for a, anybody who has one year left who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year who is on a losing team. That's my answer. Brock, what do you got? That's so hard because a lot, everyone that comes to mind is not on a losing team. So that's the problem. Do you have anybody in mind, Nate? Well, my guy is not on a one-year deal, and I've been preaching this guy for a long time. Your name, This oh, name doesn't count. Say. This name doesn't yeah, count. I, it's not going to happen. I want Herman Marquez. They're going to be in last place. They're going to be rebuilding. Trevor Story is going to be gone next year. They're going to need to find some pieces. That's a possibility, but I think you're gonna see you're gonna see a reliever. I think I think that's what you're gonna see. Um, I I don't know. Maybe maybe a Michael Givens again, Colorado guy, somebody who's pitching decently well for a team who is bad. But yeah, I think it's gonna be a Colorado. Pittsburgh doesn't really have anyone to go get. Maybe the Tigers have a guy you can go get. Kansas City's possible, but. Yeah, I think you're gonna see a guy from Colorado. I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying to think. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go John Gray then. All right, that's fair. I'm fine with that because he actually is a free agent at the end of the year. I mean, dude, if we got Marquez, that would be sweet, and that would be that would be way better than what I would imagine happening. But I see John Gray being a little more realistic than Marquez, just since he already is a free agent at the end of the year. It's like they don't really have anything to lose, so they're only paying him six million this year. It'd be pretty cheap for us. Kind of surprised that we hadn't talked about it more um, leading into the season. We were all focused on Marquez and Bauer and everyone else, but I think John John Gray could be a real possibility. Yeah, and I'll end it with this. When we think about a trade at the deadline, if the Angels are just in the spot to make the playoffs, I wouldn't expect anything huge. If they are destroying the West and it's like, wow, they could really use a pitcher, then it all of a sudden becomes, all right, now we can kind of take it apart a little bit, and we can work with what we have moving forward next season. Because I need to remind everybody here, including Nate, I know we talked about this off the record, but 2022, the Angels outfield will probably look something like Brandon Marsh, Mike Trout, and Joe Adele, with Justin Upton DHing in some capacity, I don't know what, 
but I would assume that's the outfield, and that is a check mark all the way around there. And I know, Nate, in the back of your head, you're saying Jordan Adams, and I agree with you. And that comes in 2023 when you move Mike Trout to right field. Jordan Adams plays center field. Brandon Marsh is in left field. And you have Joe Adele DHing, or you can put Marsh at first base. Adele goes to the outfield. A lot of different options there. You can't trade any of those pieces because they are mainstays in your in your farm system and in your future plans as well. You when know you, what I just heard there? I don't Brandon hear, Wood, Brandon Wood, and Brandon Wood. Okay, don't want to hear it. I'm explaining here, Nate. I'm explaining. You gotta be able, you've got to be able to trade one of those if there's the right piece in return. And I, told, we, I mean, I, I see us Wood being able there. to get John Gray with as little as like Matt Dice and like one other low name. We, who we don't even need, you know. But if it were a Marquez trade, I, I, I agree with Nate that, you know, there comes a time where if you want someone like a Marquez, you might have to pull a trigger on one of those names like a Jordan Adams. Well, yes, and I, I agree with you guys. I do. And that's why I said if the Angels are in a World Series talk, then you go out and get that. I don't think if you're pushing for the playoffs, you go get Marquez. I don't. Because I think no, that, that down... I, that was That was only purely if they're like tied with the Astros on July 31st or tied with Oakland and they want to possibly win the division and, and make some noise. And Otani's throwing good and maybe they have an injury in the rotation. But another guy that we didn't even talk about, Jock Peterson could be, um, if Fowler's not hitting well, Jock could be a guy that you go get if the Cubs start out slow, which they possibly could. Yeah, no, I, 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 like I said, it all depends on where the Angels are at. I don't see them getting Mar- Marquez. I don't see them getting a big name unless it falls into their laps. And again, like like I was saying, 2022, you know, the rotation can look o- like Otani, Canning, Rodriguez, and Detmers, and you only need two more pieces. Granted, I think that, you know, you get Marquez. I think that you may have to probably give up Adele, Marsh, and another piece, and I think you can keep your rotation intact. But is it worth it at the end of the day to say... You know, you're losing your entire outfield for two years of Marquez. I don't think it's quite worth it at the moment. If the Angels were in a different spot, if the Angels were like where the Dodgers are and they needed to win a World Series because, like I've said before, the World Series last year didn't really count because it was a 60-game season. Besides the point, I think, you know, then you look at getting a top pitcher like that and you say, hey, I need we need to go win a World Series. But I don't think the Angels are in that situation quite yet. I think we need to... Continue to wait and see. I think after 2021 is when you can start saying, you know, hey, let's start trading, maybe looking at trading some of our top prospects and see what we can get back for them. I think that's when, you know, you're in relatively close to a Padres situation or at least competing for the World Series. And I don't think they're quite, quite there yet. So on to our next question comes from Dave Marquez. Chances of this lineup breaking the record for home runs in 2000. Side note on this, I've never even looked this up. I didn't know the Angels. I probably should have because that was the year they hit like three of their hitters hit 40 home runs, I believe, or had something crazy like that. I think Gloss, Edmonds, and Salmon or Anderson? I don't know who it was. They they just destroyed it. So I think, did we talk about this earlier? I think we did. Or we just said two, three, four, didn't we? We talked about most like most home runs in a season by a team, not the Angels specifically. Yeah, so I think 236 is easily gettable, and I think it comes down to Shohei Otani. 
correct? Yeah. I think I think at the end of the day, that's what it what it kind of comes down to is is what Shohei Otani does. I think it also comes down to Upton too. Yeah, Upton as well. But this team definitely has the firepower to do that. Is that this team actually definitely has the firepower to to lead all of baseball in home runs when it's all said and done. I know the Angels ballpark doesn't really play huge into it, but I think right field helps out Otani, and I think right field helps out Jared Walsh, and even some of those guys that those balls go off the wall. In right field, now they're not going off the wall for a double; they're going off the wall for a home run. So, I mean, dude, legit. I think I think you could, if we're being optimists, I could see fifteen to twenty out of Pujols. I could see twenty plus out of Walsh. I could see twenty plus from Upton, and thirty plus or twenty five plus for Otani, and thirty plus for Rendon and Trout. And you're you're pushing thirty five plus for Rendon. And forty to forty-five plus for Trout. So I mean, dude, just with those alone, with five to ten from Fletch, five to ten from Iglesias, five to ten from Fowler, five to ten from Stassi, maybe even ten to fifteen for Stassi. That's disgusting. Like that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and I think this team definitely has the firepower to do it. That's for sure. Um, especially in a home run era right now, and we'll see how the balls are as well. I think that's a big big factor as well. I know they were talking about dejuicing the balls in a sense, and what that does to the home runs, we'll have to just wait and see. So next question, kind of a fun question here. Just need a one-word answer. It can be made up. It can be a real one, and you'll understand why I'm saying that when I ask you this question, and this one comes from Colby on Instagram. What kind of radioactive insect gave David Fletcher his powers? Nate? The obvious answer is just spider, I guess. That's no fun. Brock, you got something better than that, Pink? Golly, you're you're killing this podcast. The viewers just decided to exit off. Thor. Thor? All right. I guess I, it's a little I bit better. I understand the question. What kind of radioactive insect? Is, is Thor an insect? Oh, radioactive insect. Yes. Okay, I, I heard like superpower is how I interpreted the question. Well, that's fine. I mean, Radioactive I guess... insect. Uh, I'm going to say... A poison dart frog. Poison dart frog. <laughs> Still not an insect, but close enough. I'll take it. It's it's a plus plus answer. I'm gonna go with a radioactive daddy long leg. I don't know. I got nothing for oh, you either. No, no, no. You can't call me out and then use another spider. <laughs> um, praying mantis was gonna be my answer. I blanked on it. Right, right as I was about to say it, I got scared. And I blanked on it. I said it. a poison dart frog. I'm still dying. <laughs> Jesus. Come on, guys. We need better answers. We need better answers. I'm sorry, Colby. No good answers here for me for you. So on to a little more serious question from the Angels side of things. Joe asks, thoughts on Reed Detmers possibly making his MLB debut this year. He also says, love the podcast. Thank you, Joe, for that. I'll take this one. I think I've said it a couple times. If Reed Detmers is pitching this year, there are some problems, I think. I, I, and it may, could be good problems, though. It could be the Angels are you know, looking for some help in the bullpen or looking for some rotation help because somebody isn't pitching as good as they're supposed to be and the Angels are winning, and that's why they're going to give Detmers the opportunity. But I think if Detmers is making his MLB debut this year, we have some problems. Do you guys, do you guys agree with me, Nate? Yeah, the only way I see Detmers pitching this year is 
August thirty first, September. They're they're in the playoffs, and their bullpen is as scary as we think it is with not really too much depth back there. So that's that's about it. I don't see that guy pitching too much this year. He made his professional debut in spring training a week ago. Let the kid learn. Let the kid figure it out first. Yep. Let him learn and keep him out of AAA. Brock, are you on the same boat as us here? Yes, sir. Sounds good. So, final question comes from Omar Grams. If Otani has a ridiculous breakout season, do you think the Angels will extend him? Brock, yes or no? Yes. Nate? Yes. Jared? No, I don't think they extend him, unfortunately. I think that the injury bug has just caught up to him a little bit too much. I hope that he stays healthy, though. I really hope that's the case. But I think that there's too many too many injuries to worry about, injuries that even the public I don't think knows about. And I think that that is going to kind of hamper what the Angels do with him down the road extension-wise. I hope he stays healthy, though, and I hope I'm wrong. I really, I really do hope I'm wrong because he is one of the best young players in all of baseball. So final thoughts, guys. Nate, I'll start with you. Uh, can't wait to see Otani throw on Saturday. Hopefully he can uh, limit his pitches. That's something I'm really looking forward to, to see um, if he can, if he goes four innings, can he, can he stay under about 60 pitches? Um, that's something I really want to see because if he can do that, then I think he's locked in and and ready to go for a big year. If he's drawing 60 pitches in three innings, then we could have a problem. Rock, final thoughts? Uh, no, i just uh, waiting for the tickets to officially go on sale and just hope that they're not skyrocketed expensive and I can go to some games. Me too. I feel the same way about that as well. And I'll, uh, again, kind of drop drop some names here. Go get your tickets from 714. Support the small business there. They've always been great to me. They've always been great to the fans. So go help them out no matter how much the tickets are. Go buy some tickets from them. And no matter what sporting event you're looking for, um, may try to get in contact with them, see if we can, can work some type of discount code out code as well for ticket Angels tickets. Um, I've you know been good friends with them in the past. And we'll see what, what happens. Just maybe a little sneak peek into that. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You can follow myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims. You can follow Brock at BDROX8. And you can follow Nate Green at NateGreen34. And as always, guys, go follow us on all social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to this podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your day. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.